Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Hit Show. My name is Darby Robinson. Uh, Danny is not going to be with us today. You got Darby and you got Brett. Hi, hey, Brett. guys. Oh, my God. It's so great to be back on a podcast. It's been so long since I've been on a podcast and I, I've, I've been missing it. We, we've been missing you. Uh, in case you are not familiar, uh, you should be, so shame on you, but I will still let you catch up. Um, that voice you hear, the lovely uh, voice to mine, is going to be Brett Phillips, one of our uh, amazing writers at D-Rays Bay. You see him in the game day threads making hilarious things that hopefully inspire you to write not just horrible uh, flame wars in our comments, although <laughs> most people, I guess, miss that. Uh, missed that memo. Um, and also one of uh, a few of our voices on uh, Twitter, uh, on D Rays Bay at, at D Rays Bay. Please add us as well. You're missing out on the fun if you're not on there as well. Um, he's the mastermind behind all that. And uh, <laughs> Ma- yeah. mastermind, I, I, mastermind is one of the nicest things I've been called. So I appreciate <laughs> that for sure. It's, uh, it's one of the only things that we can uh, legally call you on here without. Uh, <laughs> Getting some some uh, violations, uh, I'm sure. Um, so, uh, Brett, how are you doing? How has the 2018 baseball season gone for you so far? Over- I mean, you know, <laughs> well, it, it, it's fun. Um, I mean, I'm frankly, I, I am happy that baseball's back uh, this season for sure. I've been taking an interest in in other teams as well. I'm not following solely the Rays, which is good. You know, I mean, the, the season when you start when you start the season five and thirteen, it's not. It, it was very it was uh, exciting when the season began with that opening day mm-hmm. win against the Red Sox. One of the more exciting opening days I I can remember. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's it's been it, there's been a lot of growing pains, and this team does tend to start slow in April. That has been a very consistent thing, even throughout like the Joe Madden years. But you know, I. It, you hope they would do better. Um, I'm certainly fine with how they're doing recently. What about you, Darby? How have you been? How has this? How has this start been treating you? Uh, it's it's been it's been uh, it's been a start. Of, <laughs> I think you said it. I said it well. I think it's very healthy to also enjoy other teams. Uh, you know, baseball's back, and I think there's absolutely nothing that can get me down on that. Um, the Rays have definitely started out disappointing and we're going to kind of go into that about kind of who's, who's the most disappointing, but also not just focus on the negative because there are some good things in here as well. Um, but baseball's back and I, I'm a, I'm a huge Rays fan. Obviously I'm very passionate about Tampa, Tampa Bay Rays baseball, but I am a baseball fan. I think number one, and, and you just look around the league and you see some really exciting, fun things happening. Uh, I mean, I'm not, we're not going to go into it, but like, you have this amazing guy out in uh, Anaheim named Shohei Otani, who is mm-hmm. just the most fun, interesting player like in baseball, who's crushing it, uh, pitching, crushing it, hitting, um, just just a delight. And uh, yeah, baseball bat is back and no amount of disappointment from the Rays can really tamper that. And especially because this season, at least for me, I came in uh, – with a little bit more of a, I didn't think, you know, I, I fought back against the idea that they were tanking. I still don't think they're tanking. Nothing has proved, you know, proven that, that they are tanking. Um, however, this was a retooling season and that is different than rebuilding and, and tank tanking, but it is kind of going to be 
like you said, growing pains, very disappointing. They started off five and, and 13. Uh, they played in really terrible weather. Uh, everybody has played in terrible weather. Most baseball has been like rained out or snowed out. Uh, and then they started the season basically playing just the Boston Red Sox in like a, a, a 30 game series. It felt like with right. like two, you know, breakout games in the Yankees. So it's been a really, uh, it was a really annoying start to the season more than anything, just cause you were like, I just want to get out of this, you know, Boston, New York, like fight and just get on to like real baseball. And we've seen them get a lot more competitive. They were really competitive against Boston too, but we started to see, you know, wins and losses, which those are both fun. Uh, uh, to happen since they've left that kind of weird, weird first nine games of the season. Uh, so it is disappointing. Let's start. Let's start there. Let's stay in the mud. Now that we started <laughs> off in the mud, let's stay in the mud. Um, it is a disappointing start to the season. We've had some very disappointing rays as well out of the gate. It's still very early, but who are your uh, like most disappointing? Like the bad spectrum. Who who is really you know stood out to you in the in the bad way yeah it's stunning that the players that have uh, that are going to be with the team for the longest we hope and the ones that have the multi-year big money contracts are the ones that are really really struggling i mean it's it's you don't have to look too far to see how chris archer and even especially kevin kiermeyer has been have been really really struggling i mean kiermeyer has been one of the well was before he was injured and is going to be out for uh, I, th- I think the official report was between eight to thirteen weeks, which is a mm-hmm. interesting frame of time. Like eight to thirteen—I've never seen that before in like a <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's either, eight to twelve, but they were like, he's going to need an extra week. He, he might need it all the bone spurs he probably has in there, but no, he was one of the worst offensive players on the team. He had struck out. I, he struck out. Almost like fifty percent of the time, it seemed at least it seemed like that watching these games, and it was interesting. I mean, Kevin Kiermaier has always been a defensive juggernaut. He will be until his legs give out, and he always plays very hard. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of the things that that I mean, moving forward, it seems like that's going to be something that's going to hold him back games wise. He's going to play like his hair is on fire, and that's just the. That's just who the player you've signed is mm-hmm. going to be. But we also the Rays hoping we're hoping that he would be a much more of an offensive guy, and and so far he has very very much not been. I mean, he like in the games that he was playing before he was injured, he had a, a WRC of forty, which is yeah. again meaning that he's forty percent like he's forty percent of below league average, and it's it's well not below league, it's sixty percent below league average, and it's just it's it's baffling how bad he's been especially mm-hmm. since this was a year that you feel like he was especially after his pretty good offensive year last year you thought maybe he have a bit of a breakthrough but in the early goings that has not been the case no and and you mentioned like his hard hard style of play i think a guy like him as well start, starting off kind of cold it can be maybe a little tougher i mean this is sort of you know more anecdotal but you he definitely seems like a guy that maybe put a little pressure on himself um, there was, there was talk about him ha- kind of being under the weather, kind of feeling sick, uh, which playing out in, in miserable weather, there was the big, uh, his biggest news of the season was before the injury was that he was going to lather up in Vaseline and, uh, <laughs> and he got some nice care package from Vaseline for that. The internet um, went crazy for that one. Yeah. <laughs> there is some, wow, some real images right there. Uh, but yeah, so he, he didn't do that and he was feeling under the weather and, and, you know, pressing clearly. And I think being the 
kind of the veteran bat, really. I mean, we have older guys, but they, they are newer to the team. So like guys like Carlos Gomez and, and Denard Spann, while they've been around the league longer than him, uh, they're brand new Rays. So Kevin Kiermeyer's the the guy uh, on the offensive side, and he just he was not doing well. Um, you mentioned the numbers, and and then again, this is now the third straight year where Kevin Kiermeyer is going to miss a a significant amount of time due to an injury based around uh, over hustle. Um, he he broke a wrist basically diving uh, all out and rolling over on it uh, two years ago, slid into first base, feet first, uh, breaking his hip um, or fracturing his hip, I should say. Um, and then now this sliding in and uh, tearing a ligament in his thumb, I believe. Yeah, it's it's not the best thing to recover from. It's a little tricky, um, but I mean, he probably will. I mean, he will make a full recovery and be back in the sort of July, August, the math is failing me right now, but he'll be back in the dog days of summer, which is fun. And And that is a bummer. That is a bummer to see Kevin Kiermaier sort of like be taken out of the equation. But at the same time, it sort of opens up, and this is a little segue into something that's been good about the Rays. It opens us up into sort of new, interesting areas when it comes to outfielders. And one of the Mm -hmm. biggest surprises that I think we've seen this year, at least in the very, very beginning, and still – Ridiculously early, but it's been very, very nice to see Malik Smith really sort of take an interesting step when it comes to his offensive production. And it's sort of been the opposite of what we would expect from him, right? I mean, he's oh, absolutely, yeah. He, you, you think of Malik Smith, you picture a guy that's speedy uh, and glove first, kind of like a like a poor man's Billy Hamilton. Um, but he, he's been a, a poor man's Barry Bonds right now. Basically, <laughs> he has been. Yeah, he has been. He's led the he's he's led the team in um in hitting. He has been not so great on the base paths, which I know is something that he was working on this year. That and a sort of but being able to bunt a little bit better. He's been a little bit more successful with the bunts. I've seen a couple successful sack bunts that have turned into bunt hits, but even so, it's not been the best. His 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 base running should be better. Um, his base running has is the area of his game that needs. Well, maybe not the most improvement because he is an adventure to watch in center field try to track balls. <laughs> um, Alex Smith has single-handedly cost the Rays a couple of runs in some very close games this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing pains and all that, you know, close games and watching these, this team lose one-run games is enough to already give you, like, ulcers. <laughs> even this yeah, early exactly. In the um, but even so, Alex Smith has been very, very good offensively, and frankly, that any moving to the season, I thought that any offensive production he could provide would be a bonus. If he was a league average hitter, oh my goodness, that would be incredible. And right now he is very much above a league average hitter. He is one of the best offensive producers on the team, even more than guys like CJ Crone and Denard Spann, who was apparently turned into an offensive juggernaut for the Rays, strangely enough. Yeah, yeah. You take your offense when you get it, when, you, when you've kind of downgraded a lot. Um, Malik's has been great offensively. Uh, I think, like you said, league average gets him with his defense to be pretty good. His defense definitely needs to step up. Um, but for his career, he's been a, a 106 uh, win, uh, weighted runs creation plus. So a bit above uh, league average against right-handed um, pitching. He's abysmal against lefties. He has a really bad righty-lefty split. So you, going forward, uh, you don't really want him to play against lefties if you can avoid it. Right now with the team – uh, if he's not playing against lefties, you're you're not necessarily getting that much better of a hitter. 
Um, and he's also been crushing left-handed pitching. I mean, it's, it's like, I think, uh, what is it? I have 14 plate appearances, but he has seven hits. So he's hitting over 500 against uh, left-handed pitching, which I don't anticipate to keep going. But, hey, enjoy the ride while we have it. Um, yeah, Malik's has definitely been a, a great story that way. Uh, he's definitely provided some adventures uh, on the base paths and defensively. Um, <laughs> other, other side of that token, I think my most disappointing guy so far uh, is another outfielder. And... Uh, and that's Carlos Gomez, who mm. has has done really well defensively. He has a couple of really awesome highlight plays. Uh, he was brought in to basically be Steven Souza, like an older Steven Souza. And for his career, that's exactly what he is. Um, and much like Steven Souza has done in the past, he can kind of press. And uh, right now, Carlos Gomez is he's he's hitting important. He's the by the numbers, he's the third worst offensive player on the team right now and you're you're not expecting that to continue so i mean he he's not walking he usually walks a little bit better he's striking out over 30 percent of the time uh he's hitting it under 200 uh batting average his weighted runs creation plus is 49 so he, he's bad by every you know standard really um at the plate i think the good news is i think you expect that to continue like you don't you don't go from being a a, a a a couple win player to being absolutely abysmal and not knowing how to hit overnight. And uh, while he may not be as good as he was offensively in Texas at that you know beautiful hitting ballpark, he is a guy that I think you're going to hope to see rebound. But until that point, he's really disappointing because he's the guy you have right in the middle of the order, and he needs to drive in runs. He's not doing that right now. Yeah. And uh, until he does. You know, you're losing these one-run games, and Carlos Gomez is getting RBI opportunities, and and you got to, you know, that's that's where that's where the kind of the plan of scrappy offense, great pitching, great defense comes in, and that's he's doing it on the on the defensive side, not so mm-hmm. much on the offensive side. Yeah, I mean, we'll see where he ends up in, towards the middle of the season. As an older veteran, you think you, you worry that he might get a little even more tired during the long run, but so far, Carlos Gomez has not has truly not been up to snuff. Now, again, now let's swing to the positive. Uh, from the area where I don't think anybody could have predicted it, and I know I didn't. You can come back, check the tapes. I, I did say that I did like Daniel Robertson. Uh, I don't think I thought he was going to be this good. Uh, and I definitely know that uh, Danny and I were both taking some real nice petty pot shots at Joey Wendell. And uh, Daniel Robertson and Joey Wendell are the two best players on the team they're hitting yeah. just a tad under malik smith they're defending much better um together put them together and they are the third best offensive and defensive second baseman in all of baseball right now uh by the numbers That's daniel insane. robertson that is absurd <laughs> daniel robertson is walking nearly 30 percent of the time uh joey wendell is walking 13 percent of the time both of them have obscene uh, WRC pluses and on base percentages. They're they're what's kind of nice is that their BABIP is just a little bit above, which is the batting average of balls in play. Um, standard is is kind of right around three hundred. Uh, their their BABIP's slightly above three hundred, so they're not like just having you know amazing luck with the luck dragons and balls just finding the hole. Um, but uh, yeah, they're we're definitely enjoying this ride while it lasts with them being just absolute offensive and defensive juggernauts. Yeah. 
And you got to I remember too when Daniel Robertson came over in the in the in the Ben Zobris trade along with John J or when John Jason was gone. He he was a one of Oakland's best prospects and mm-hmm. he was always like a defensive sort of like wizard but people thought that he would also be a pretty solid offensive contributor when he came along. Now no one thinks and no even the best Rays optimists don't think he's going to maintain a 156 WRC as it goes along. It's that, <laughs> that's ridiculous. He's not the best player on the Rays, but he is a defensive shortstop mm-hmm. extraordinaire. He's very very good around on the left side of the infield and it's great to watch him play. Joey Wendell, is he going to keep this up? I have no I have no faith in Joey Wendell. <laughs> this is an enjoy it while it lasts kind of thing, but it is great to see these two I mean, to see Daniel Robertson sported a walk percentage of almost 30, as you say, is – I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. That is, is, I love he's it. Patient. He is patient. He's patient. He is letting – pitchers are just getting frustrated. Um, yeah. I think Joey Wendell does feed off of our, uh, our, our doubt. So I think <laughs> for his sake, I'm going to just mm-hmm. keep doing that because I do think – uh, if that's what it takes, then fine. He, you know, do what you do. Uh, I think Joey Wendell is an interesting guy. You know, you don't really ideally have these two guys starting um, on on your best team. They're not our best prospects. But like you mentioned, Daniel Robertson, he's not a uh, he's not a, a schlubby prospect. This is a guy that that was a get in in that Ben Zobris trade. He actually had a lot more power. He had a handmade injury. A broken handmade bone um, a couple years ago, and that really kind of sapped his power. But mm-hmm. he's got a good batter's presence. He's got good vision. He's got a good eye, and he and he has drawn walks um, with not just you know basically getting uh, just not swinging, but by actually drawing walks and kind of fouling stuff off. So I actually see Daniel Robertson. I mean, he's only twenty four years old. He just turned twenty four, so he's really young. And and along with Malik Smith, those two guys. You know, you will work through this, like whatever issues they have, because they actually do have roles. Um, starter, maybe, but probably, you know, kind of uh, utility guys or, or kind of fourth outfielder type. Like they have roles potentially on the next big window for the race starting in 2019 and beyond. And Daniel Robertson just really strikes me as like a Sean Rodriguez type uh, who can do a little bit of everything, uh, can defend, can hit a little bit. Um Slightly different batting styles. Sean has a little bit more power. Uh, Robertson has a little bit better um, uh, on-base skills. But, you know, guys that, that you really, really want on a team, uh, whether they're starting or just filling in or or whatever. So uh, Daniel Robertson's definitely somebody, and Malik Smith as well, like of the, of the successes, those are guys to underline because they are potentially part of the future. Um, even if it isn't in like the superstar middle of the order guy, uh, they are part of the future. And um, yeah. over to the pitching staff, I wanted you to talk about the other kind of young guy who's really kind of emerged. He had a rough start last time out, but uh, who, you know, tell me a little bit about Yoni Chirinos. <laughs> Yoni Chirinos is a, everyone has doubted Chirinos for the longest time. Even a lot of our own writers never had him ranked particularly high on our, on like prospect lists. And he honestly reminds me a lot, not in not in stuff, but in sort of just general makeup of a guy like Jacob Faria, who mm. was never really high on many prospect lists, always seemed to have like a future value of around 50 or so, whatever, on MLB.com or what have you. And here is Torinos, who's coming in and shutting down some pretty solid offenses when he comes to pitch. I mean, he... 
he had the longest shutout streak to open a season for a Rays rookie ever, mm-hmm. which is incredible. This guy is also kind of, he's like a junk ball pitcher. He doesn't throw anything particularly strong. He lives and dies by his command and mm-hmm. the kind of curvature of his pitches and the deception that he provides. It's incredible. And, and it's, it's exciting. And, he did get shelled the last time he got out there, um, which you know is also something you want to take into account too. But frankly, I mean, watching him pitch is, is very fun because I love the two kinds of pitchers I love to see are super fastball crazy guys like Ryan like Ryan Stanek or crazy junk ball-y, knuckle ball-y guys like like Torinos. And it's fun to have a guy like that on the staff. And it, it's interesting too. And I think this is a, a good moment to sort of talk about what the Rays have been doing. Very, the big thing that the Rays have been doing this year that a lot of people in baseball are taking notice is the four man rotation, which mm-hmm. very quickly became a three man <laughs> rotation. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is something that we have. The three man rotation in baseball has not existed since uh, ever. I don't, I don't think that's anything. That, I mean, maybe since like before 1900s when guys were throwing. 12 yeah. inning games. Like Chrissy and- Matheson is like going like four days in a row throwing nine innings. Exactly. Yeah. Young is like relieving for himself. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. From the bullpen, same pitcher. Exactly. Same pitcher. Right. And so uh, the, this, this idea of a three-man rotation is super interesting, but I mean, we were kind of talking about this earlier. I, I, I never really consider the Rays to be doing a three-man rotation. If we look at this year as a sort of, not a, not a tank like you've been saying, I don't think it's not a tank year, but it is certainly a rebuilding year. And if we look at this, uh, the three-man rotation as a way to sort of audition possible rotation number five candidates, I think the bullpen, that, that's what the bullpen day for me has been all about. Because you're seeing guys like Pruitt start, and you're seeing guys like Ryan Yarbrough pitch four innings or so. And to me, it's like this extended audition to see who can be like, who wants to be the next Rays number five starter. I mean, it's not explicitly like that, but mm. eventually you're going to get these guys, like these diamonds in the rough, like Chirinos, who maybe has a if he if he keeps this up, he might be a, he might stick around for a lot longer than we than we think. I mean, even I mean, it's hard to think back this far, but guys like Alex Cobb were called up mid-season and were not. I mean, we're we're heralded prospects, but nothing like no, they, he wasn't David Price exactly. Not, yeah, even James Shields was a guy we worked up over a while. Cobb would just showed up and came in and was a bulldog and was throwing Mm -hmm. seven inning one run games out of nowhere. And it was incredible. And all of a sudden he became a very, very reliable starter. And if the Rays are going to be successful, you know, maybe at the end of this year or next year, or when the window opens, like you're saying, they need these kind of like unheralded guys to step up and not become aces, but become passable, serviceable number five starters. And hey, if some of them don't turn out to be starters, you have some really high quality relievers in your bullpen. That's homegrown talent. It's what the Rays need. Exactly. And 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 especially you you do have a stretched out bullpen. You have guys that can go multiple innings, which has definitely become a bit of a uh, bigger emphasis around baseball. You know, I mean, the high end guys like Andrew Miller or Brad Hand suddenly became like, you know, very much in the failed starter role, became uh, elite relief aces that would go not just one inning, uh, but but potentially two, sometimes three innings. Um, so what the Rays have been doing, and this is the kind of the big question, probably the most interesting thing about the Rays this year, and, and it's drawn so many, so much conversation, so much uh, 
ire and hate as well, which I just don't understand the vitriol about it. But a lot of people have basically been desperate to bury the raise for this. A lot of people, especially in the analytics community, have been like kind of raising their eyebrow. And there's been a lot of um, talk from other, you know, teams and other, you know, kind of GMs about kind of keeping an eye open. Uh, Buck Showalter even mentioned about how, like, you know, if you don't try anything, if you don't try new things and like, what are you doing? Um, which, which is, it's an interesting thing because that's what the Rays do. They, they, they will readily admit that if they try to play it's to, it's to, you know, steal a quote from, from Moneyball and Aaron Sorkin. But, you know, if you try to win, if you try to play like the Yankees, you're going to lose to them on the field. You can't play, you can't build teams like, the, the rich teams. And unfortunately those rich teams are really smart. So they're going to try to build teams the same way you are. So you can't, you can't be with the wave. You have to be ahead of that. You have to be well ahead. And so this is an interesting idea. The Rays sort of dabbled with it in 2015 with Erasmo Ramirez uh, and Nate Carnes, who were kind of their fifth starter. And they both became their fifth starter. Only Erasmo did it out of the bullpen. They piggybacked and Nate Carnes only faced two, two, uh, two times through the order, and he became a really good pitcher. He put up really good numbers, um, and, uh, and he hasn't really put up anything close to that since he left the Rays. Uh, I think what the Rays are trying to do, they, they came into this year wanting to make this experiment. Now, when they lost Nathan Evaldi, that definitely threw a little, little monkey wrench into the plans, but I think you're right. I think... The idea isn't just these are all relievers and like some people have said, this is to manipulate service time. It's to manipulate money. That's not what it is. This is to really maximize talent because the back end of your rotation starter is not a good starter. Most teams don't have that. And so that guy uh, is not your best guy and he really shouldn't be trying to go eight innings. But if you can say, give me a rock solid three or four, um, then suddenly you can get another guy that can piggyback on that, go another three, and now you're into the, the, the good guys. Then you're getting to your high-leverage guys. So I, I, um, I want to kind of say, like, this is the question for the season, and it's still so early, but every single bit, it's always the most fascinating thing, is, is bullpen day working? Is Mr. To Be Determined, is this, is this succeeding? Um, so just from your perspective, do you think this, you know, is working. Well, I definitely don't want to ramble too much about bullpen day because I think it is a crazy, super interesting idea. Um, I think it's, I think it's not a runaway success and I Mm -hmm. think it's not an abject failure. If I had to rate it at a 10, I'd probably rank it around like a seven because Mm -hmm. what bullpen day has shown is that (laughs) you can construct an, an atypical lineup, a pitching lineup with a bunch of, three or four inning guys and have it be pretty successful. Some of the most well-pitched days uh, that the, the, that the Rays have played other than Mm -hmm. days that Blake Snell has started Mm -hmm. are the bullpen days. Now that has been amazing. (laughs) I'm so happy about that. Uh, Some things that are some disadvantages of bullpen days, right? If you have a bad outing by Snell or Archer or Faria, Mm -hmm. who has been struggling earlier on, you have to get into that. Which we have had. You have yeah. you got to dip into that bullpen way earlier than you would want to. You know, ideally you get your guy goes six innings and you throw in two or three guys and you win or you lose or whatever. But if a guy can't make it out of the fourth, you're kind of stuck with a lawn man that you could have been using 
the next day when it's bullpen day. So that has happened a couple of times. Some of the Rays depth has been tested. Mm-hmm. What's great about the Rays that other teams don't have is they have a pretty passable, serviceable Durham shuttle. Mm-hmm. They got guys in Durham who are some quality pitchers, and that's even after losing Jose De Leon, Brent Honeywell, and Nathan Iovaldi. Three pretty high-end pitchers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're gone. They're pretty much gone for the long term, or not for yeah. the next months or so for Iovaldi, if we're lucky. And Honeywell, <laughs> not until not until late next year, and yeah. uh, De Leon as well. Yeah, yeah. But you still got guys in Durham who can come up and throw pretty well. Like Chewy Hu is pretty great. Uh, he's been he's had a lot of success in the majors as like a relatively long reliever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, that, that he just showed he was on my mind because I came up last uh, last few games or so. It's great. That is an interesting thing because you have basically an expanded twenty five man roster if you make serious use of that shuttle. Now a question too remains is. The, the the big thing that's drawn a lot of ire from the community is, is this overtaxing the bullpen? Do the Rays have an incredibly overtaxed bullpen because they're relying so much on the, on those bullpen days? Yes. And, and, and so that's one of the, so yeah, that's, that's one of the big, you know, naysayer things, you know, I, I've seen uh, that it's, it's a, it's a dumb experiment because if the pitchers are good enough, they would just be starting, which I think that's, that's what you mentioned, which is, you try guys that wouldn't have made the team out of spring training anyway, like Yoni Chirinos and Ryan Yarbrough. And then you see if they become starters. Uh, but two, that's the other thing was that, oh, you're going to just destroy your pen. You're going to shred the pen. Um, so I ran the numbers on this. Uh, this has been an experiment. This is an experiment mostly for April. And it's mostly an experiment built around having four starters and then one the fifth starter is kind of punted to be the bullpen day that can be skipped if that's the normal day of rest um, or or pitched if it's not. And that makes sure everybody's on their normal day of rest. So your starters aren't, aren't having to go on four days. Um, but you could potentially, if off days allow, you know, Archer gets an extra start or Snell gets an extra start. Um, in April, there's more off days. As the season goes on, if we don't have a fourth starter, which we will talk about that up next, uh, then then it may not be something that lasts. But so far, that idea of overusage is just not working out. So I, I ran the numbers. There's two rays, just two, in the top 100 uh, uh, relievers for innings pitched uh, on the leaderboards. And those are Austin Pruitt, who's tied for the first at 14 and two-thirds innings pitched. Um, but that's also mostly because when he pitches, it's usually he has come in to mop up Archer. Uh, he's come in to he, he doesn't come in for an inning. He comes in for like three or four. Um, he's a starter out of the pen and he's kind of working. He's mostly worked. I actually think Austin Pruitt has has some interesting stuff. And I think he's a lot better than we remember him for the blow ups. But I think he's a lot better than that. Um, but he, he's kind of come in with a sort of yeoman's work being the, the cleanup guy, the, the traditional mm-hmm. mop-up guy. And then another guy who's kind of done that is Matt Andrews, who comes in at 76 uh, with eight and two-thirds innings. Um, and that's it. So nobody's really throwing that many innings, and that's including guys. You know, some of these guys are being cycled into starters, so that doesn't count for relief innings. Um, but these yeah. guys aren't pitching a, a ton. And, and for those starters, and we'll kind of go down the list – there's really only a couple that are really getting those starts. So the relievers like Pruitt and Andres, um, and even really Yarbrough, they're not being overly tasked. They're doing eight innings, nine innings. 
So even without dipping into the Durham shuttle yet and the Durham Bulls team, this team hasn't been overtasked. And then when you go to the one inning guys who you want to try to close out the game, you have of most usage, you have Chaz Rowe, him of his incredibly gifable Frisbee slider, which also <laughs> welcome back pitching ninja. You've, you've returned from the grave. They can't, they can take shots at the King, but they like a Phoenix from missed. the ashes. Exactly. So I hope to see a lot of Chaz Rowe, filthy Frisbee sliders in there soon enough. Now that you've returned, uh, but he's pitched in 10 games. He's pitched eight innings. Uh, other guys that have pitched 10 games are Archie Bradley of the diamondbacks. Who's gone 11 innings pitched. Uh, Adam Otavino, uh, oh my God, we are just struggling. Otavino, yeah. Um, <laughs> 10, 10 and two thirds innings pitch, uh, who, by the way, also has a really cool article by Eno Saris on The Athletic about um, kind of how he reinvented himself. And then Brad Hand, who, who's gone 10 innings pitched in 10 games. So, so guys that are going a little bit higher average. Uh, then you got Jose Alvarado, who also very gifable, filthy. Filthy left-hander, future relief ace, already relief ace of the Rays. He's gone nine games, uh, eight innings pitched, same as two other really awesome flamethrown lefties, Sean Doolittle, uh, who's gone nine innings, and former Ray, Jake McGee, who's gone eight and one-third inning pitch. So normal bullpens are still pitching normally with these high-leverage guys. And then you have closer Alex Colome, who honestly – I, I feel like we didn't even former talk about closer. the most disappointing. Uh, oh former my God. Closer Alex, if you're listening to this uh, a month from now, former closer oh, Alex Colomay. I, I feel like I just I just got like indigestion just thinking about Alex Colomay. <laughs> brutal, brutal start to the season for the big horse. But he's gone eight games, seven innings pitched, uh, which same as, as Roberto Ozuna, eight and one-third inning pitched in eight games, and Andrew Miller, eight and one-third inning pitched in eight games. So, so these guys aren't being overused. Like they're not being sent out there like 12 games, 13 games, running them out. And they're not going, uh, way more than, than they ought to. Now, as the season goes on, maybe. Um, but so far we're not seeing that. And it's because I think, uh, Kevin Cash kind of deserves some credit for really managing this bullpen well. And, and it's been tough. There's been a lot of close games. The Rays have played nine, one run games that's out of 18 games they played so half of them been in one run games they've only won two of them uh but they've been in those games and and when it comes to uh the bullpen day as we've kind of called it it really hasn't been a three-man rotation because you know when we talked about yoni chirinos he did one relief start kind of piggybacking off of a a jake faria start where jake went a pretty strong four innings. And then uh, Yoni came in for relief and went four innings after that and gave up only one hit, one walk, no runs. Uh, and since then, Yoni Chirinos has pretty much started uh, at the fourth uh, rotation spot. Mm-hmm. He, he started, went five innings uh, against the Red Sox in a game that uh, Alex Colome blew uh, in the ninth. Um, then yeah. he, he went um, – uh, again against the White Sox and went five and one third innings pitched in which Austin Pruitt blew it in the eighth. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, you know, common, common bad, theme. Bad luck. Yeah. 
And then last, then the last start, he went five and two thirds innings pitch, had kind of his worst start. He, his slider wasn't working. And when he got bendy stuff and the bendy stuff doesn't bend, it gets real ugly real quick. Um, but he, he's gone over five innings every start. Those are slightly better than fifth starter numbers. And, and yeah. when you look at like the actual bullpen days, we've had uh, pretty much three bullpen days where it's not Yoni Chirinos, who seemingly has the fourth starter spot. You've had Andrew Kittredge and Ryan Yarbrough combined to go seven and one third inning pitch, seven hits, three runs, two of them earned. Uh, in four Ks against the Red Sox. Uh, then you had Kittredge and Yarbrough again combined for six innings, four hits, two earned uh, against the Red Sox with a with a also column A blown save. Uh, and, and then you have uh, Yarbrough and Andres combining for, for seven innings um, and four earned runs. So those are better than or equal to most teams' fifth starters. But the, but the benefit is you have guys like Kittredge and Yarbrough available elsewhere in the week. Yeah, I think so much of the stigma against bullpen day has been a lot of worry about whether or not it'll even work and whether or not you'll blow out guys' arms because they're simply pitching too much. Now, I think, as you've said, we've found that the success of bullpen day has been pretty good. I mean, we've had like some quality starts and some quality middle relief moments from these guys. And also I want to bring up too the three people that have the highest, like inning total, you said Pruitt, Andres and Yarborough, all those guys are starters. Yeah. All those guys were stretched out as starters, especially in Durham. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are used to having more of a greater workload. Pruitt has been a reliever for a little bit longer. So maybe he's like a little bit of a borderline case, but Andres, I mean, Andres was upset. He wasn't in the rotation this year. That was that's documented, and Yarbrough is again another quality starter. So I mean, the, the concern that the I mean, you, what you listed said it frankly the best. There has not been that much overwork from the bullpen for specific guys this year, especially when you compare them to other high quality relievers around mm-hmm. the major leagues. You know, and also it, it, suffice it to say that. The pitching, the starting pitching from the main starters this season has not been, they haven't been going deep into games. So, you know, it's not a stretch to say that this might be like, it might not get worse. It might kind of stay around this because right now I don't think the starters are going to do the old five and dive every single time. I mean, you're going to rely on Chris Archer for a lot more and Blake Snell again has been seemingly getting better. So it might even, the Rays bullpen might actually like have fewer innings pitched compared to the rest of the league. It's possible. Absolutely. So I think so far, I think your cautious optimism, your seven out of 10, I think that's true. Um, you know, bullpen day has not been like a, a amazing success, but it is far, far from a failure so far. And it's still an experiment. I think worth trying. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and so far we've seen it. We're, we're not shredding arms so far. Uh, we're not ruining people's futures. In fact, we're, we're kind of potentially with Yoni Chirinos giving him an opportunity. And there's a path now. With, with Yoni, he's getting starts. That's what Yarbrough and Pruitt and Andres can look at and say, hey, if I pitch my butt off, I can be a starter. Um, otherwise, I'm pitching my butt off in Durham and maybe I never even get a chance because Anthony Band is a better starter and a much better prospect. So you maybe never go to Ryan Yarbrough because he can't throw uh, 98 and his breaking stuff isn't as sharp as Banda. So you go, maybe you don't ever get that chance. So I think it's a 
it's an experiment worth having. And uh, I don't know. I think it's it's one of the most interesting things coming into this season for me. And it's so far been definitely one of the most interesting things uh, in, in, a, in a disappointing start. But there's still lots of baseball left to play over 140 for games. For a team in a rebuilding year, it's nice to have something interesting and unique to latch on to. And, and, and as writers, it's also something good to, to <laughs> constantly give us something to, to write about and dig into. Um, well, well, Brett, this was fun. Let's not make it uh, another, like, I don't know, seven months before you're on the show again, okay? <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm more than happy. I, I live in New Orleans now, so it's little – there's no baseball here except for the minor league team for the Marlins, which are the New Orleans baby cakes. And if you want to fright, go ahead and look at the uh, mascot for the New Orleans baby cakes on Google uh, if you don't want to sleep tonight. So, yeah, watch that's, that that's, in bed late at night with all the lights off and yep. never sleep again. And now you'll see what the kind of baseball I'm working with. So I'm, I'm more than happy to come on here as much as I can. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we love having you on. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will definitely see you next time. Make sure you follow us again at uh, at D-Rays Bay on Twitter to, to, to hear more from uh, the, what did I say? The genius mind of Brett Phillips, the mastermind. mischievous Genius, you said mastermind, but I'll take mastermind. Just, I'm just I'm boosting it up. It's now up to genius level. Oh, um, now you gotta really step up the Twitter game. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next time for Dustin in the studio, for Brett, uh, I'm Darby, and uh, this has been the Hit Show.